You're listening to Bulletproof Radio with Dave Asprey. What if there was a way to feel younger for longer? Well, there is. Your body needs something called the NAD plus molecule to help you age well. When you're young, your body makes a lot of NAD plus, and that helps you make energy. It helps you keep your DNA healthy, absorb nutrients well, and it protects your cells from stress. But once you hit about 30, your NAD plus levels start to drop. The good news is that longevity scientists have found some things that can help, like niacin, niacinamide, and niagen. They help your body make more NAD+, even as you age. All three of these are in an amazing formula called Qualia NAD+. Check out Qualia NAD+, risk-free, for up to 100 days at neurohacker.com slash Dave15 to save an extra 15%. That's neurohacker.com slash Dave15, Qualia NAD+. It's what I use. Everyone's talking about red light therapy beds, and for good reason. There's a company called ARRC LED that's building an entirely new class of LED devices. ARRC LED beds integrate proprietary scanning technology and frequency protocols to shape the delivery of six different wavelengths in dose-optimized photobiomodulation. Yes, that's a lot of words. What it is, though, is that photobiomodulation improves the underlying energetics of the cells in your body. And those changes can benefit nearly every tissue and organ and system in your body. You change your cells and you change your life. For more information, visit ARRCLED.com. Today's cool fact of the day is that the word drug comes from the Dutch word droog, which means dry or too dry, which is in reference to how ancient healers and physicians would dry plants to use as medicine, which is kind of cool, actually. Who would have thought that? the big oil companies that became the big pharmaceutical companies would have forgotten that medicine comes from plants also. Hmm. What if there was a way to level up your energy, get rid of stress, and take more control of your body? Welcome to Quantum Upgrade. This is a new technology that taps into quantum energy to help you feel amazing. Quantum Upgrade has a lot of different products that help protect you from EMF and help activate your body's natural healing abilities. You can expect better sleep, more resilience, less stress, and better blood flow. The cool thing about Quantum Upgrade is that the products are backed by a lot of heavy-duty scientific studies, and there's a new measurable upgrade. You can now use Quantum Upgrade to increase your consciousness levels between 1,400 and 2,200 on the Hawkins map of consciousness. If you don't know what that means, do some research because it's impressive, it's fun to learn about, and it's something that I've come to understand. Ready to try Quantum Upgrade? Visit quantumupgrade.io slash Dave for a seven-day free trial. Today is one of my favorite kinds of shows because we're answering questions sent in via bulletproof.com slash PQ. That's bulletproof.com slash PQ, which stands for podcast questions. If you go there, you can ask me anything. You can actually just record your answer. It's really simple. And I'll actually choose the questions you ask, and then we answer them on the air, which is kind of fun. It's like a call-in radio show, but we can time shift it so I don't waste your time making you sit and listen at exactly the same time I'm talking. So I totally appreciate it if you take your time to go to bulletproof.com slash PQ for podcast questions and just leave these questions. I am not here alone today because sitting next to me is Dr. Mark Atkinson, the medical director for Bulletproof and the head of our Bulletproof coach training program. 
what's our new URL for that, Mark? Uh, BulletproofTrainingInstitute.com. Awesome. Uh, Mark is a physician and uh, knows a thing or two about biohacking. He's a functional medicine guy and a good friend. So this is a chance to hear the crazy biohacker perspective and the slightly less crazy physician perspective, but very open-minded. And yeah. we, we have the best conversations. If you're a long-time listener, you already know Dr. Mark because he's been on the show lots of times. Something else that's going on. If you love what we're talking about here, you care about human performance and you just care about having control of your own biology, I can tell you everything in my head eventually, but it's going to take a long time. Mark can do the same thing, but we don't have a lot of time because there's a limit to the amount of time you can listen and a limit to the amount of time that we can talk. If you go to forum.bulletproofexec.com, we just upgraded the software and when you go to the forum, there are thousands and thousands of people who are Bulletproof, and they can answer your questions more quickly than I can or anyone on Bulletproof can or Mark can. And sometimes they know stuff that I don't know. So there's great conversations. You want to know the, the latest place where someone has successfully purchased modafinil from another country, obviously with a legal prescription and all that kind of stuff, uh, then... I didn't get a dirty look from a physician. Did you see that? You have to be on YouTube to see that. But uh, things like that. People discuss, uh, really, like, am I getting fake drugs or real drugs? These are for legal drugs. It's not dark net BS. This is actually like real pharmaceuticals just from other countries where pricing is more fair. Uh, there's also people talking about all of the, the nutrition and things like that. So go to forum.bulletproofexec.com, and you will be able to have almost anything you can think of answered. All right. Shall we get started, Mark? Okay, yeah, so the first question we got have that we have is an audio. Hey Dave, I think you're awesome. I love all your biohacks. My biggest question is, can you possibly biohack addiction? My son is a heroin addict for four years. Uh, treatment centers don't work. Um, maybe for some, shouldn't say they don't work. Um, I just think, you know, you must be able to come up with something. I'm positive you can. You're the man. Thank you. Oh, well, that, thanks for your vote of confidence. Uh, there are two big things that I can think of that might help your son. Uh, one of them is called cerebral electrical stimulation. And this is something that moves a small electrical current from one side of the brain to the other. And it's been used specifically with heroin addicts. The trick, though, is that heroin addicts, you have to actually want to be done with your addiction. Like, there's oftentimes underlying psychological reasons for being an addict. And this goes across, it doesn't matter if you're a sex addict, it doesn't matter if you're a substance addict or gambling or porn or whatever. Addiction's addiction. You've got to deal with the psychology of it. But to deal with the biochemistry of it, cerebral electrical stimulation has really good efficacy. The other thing that can go deeper than just the electrical current, although it is going all the way through your brain, it's kind of cool, is you may be able to deal with some of the addictive uh, patterns that happen as well as some of the neurochemistry with a substance called ibogaine. And ibogaine is, ibogaine, not ibocaine, uh, is a compound that comes from, is it a plant or a mushroom, or a toad, I forget, uh, the source of it. Do you I remember didn't know Mark? that one there. So it, it's, a, it's a, psych, a psychoactive substance that makes you hallucinate. And the people I know who've tried it, I'll say that it's one of the most rough experiences, but it is regularly used for heroin addicts and alcohol addicts. 
and it's got pretty good efficacy there. Uh, it's something that I've been wanting to try for like 15 years, even though I don't have addictive things going on. I, uh, I also believe that sometimes I learn new things when I use plant medicines. And uh, my ayahuasca experience uh, 15, 16 years ago in Peru with a shaman was, was a powerful thing. So I, I, just, I, I know that can be a very rough experience. And there are treatment centers in Mexico that will specifically use that plant medicine. Just make sure that you vet your, uh, your treatment facility right if you do that. Cerebral electrical stimulation is probably more accessible, but you still must have uh, an addiction counselor, and you've got to get to the root of the addictive uh, traumas and the other things that are triggering addiction, because if you just deal with heroin, it'll be alcohol or something else or, or cocaine or who knows what next. Uh, you, you've got to get that, but if it's like, look, we've got to detox your son so he doesn't die from withdrawal, then yes, these are the two things I know of that might work. And Mark, you may know more about that. Yeah, um, I'm really pleased we got a question about addictions. Yeah. Because anyone who's worked with addictions, and I've worked a lot with people suffering from addictions, know that addictions exist on the epidemic scale. I'm putting in my cup of coffee as he says that. Because, cheers. <laughs> and... Um, it's a massive societal issue. Huge. It is absolutely massive. And if you, if you care about your performance, if you care about how you show up as a human being, and you have untreated, unattended to addictions, that will undermine your ability to do high performance in every area of your life. You can be a work addict and perform really well in work, but your relationships, your health will suffer. In fact, one of the guys I respect greatly who's going to come on the show is Joe Polish from Genius Network. Mm. And Joe is an advisor, Richard Branson, and he helps uh, Tim Ferriss on his book launch and, and runs this group of successful entrepreneurs where it's, it's, you have to apply and it's $25,000 a year to come to his big meeting of 250 entrepreneurs and then a couple other meetings. It's quite expensive, but he's become one of the most successful marketing uh, marketing consultants out there. He runs Piranha Marketing, and you can find him online. Joe is super courageous, and he's been talking about addiction because he has dealt with substance addiction and a bunch of other addictions, including uh, sex addiction. And he just he goes out there, and he's like, look, I kick ass, and this is the struggle I've been through. And he's working on some XPRIZE things with Peter Diamandis about addiction. So I'm going to have him on Bulletproof Radio to talk about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've, uh, I mean, I'm friends with Joe, and you don't hear this very often, but he'll be in a room full of people running companies worth tens of millions of dollars, if not hundreds of millions of dollars each. And he'll stand up and be like, I used to, I used to you know, go to escort services all the time. And the first time he said that, he was like, oh my God, people are going to think I'm such a, a loser. And at the end of his, his talk, out of a, a room of you know, 50 people, he's like 10 entrepreneurs came up to me and they're like, yeah, I do it all the time too. Mm -hmm. So there's an unspoken epidemic of addiction like this. It's really, it's a problem. Um, Not even counting substances like alcohol, which is ginormous. And like, oh, I I just have a a drink or two every night. And you're like, actually have half a bottle every night. Like there's a name for Mm -hmm. that. It's called alcoholism. And the fact that you haven't faced it, yikes. Mm -hmm. You know what I'd like to do is, um, so I'm going to, 
um, specifically speak about heroin addiction because there are some other oh, hacks. Oh, please do, do, yeah. I also really want to speak to anyone who's listening to this. I want to explain to you what addiction looks like. Oh, yeah. And I want you to take a moment to really listen very carefully and be open to the possibility that what I'm describing is relevant to you. Because the hardest thing in addiction recovery is to admit you have a problem. Very addiction true. is first and foremost a disease of denial and minimization. What that means is woven into the addiction is the denial. There's an issue. Everyone else around you can see it, but you can't see it yourself. So here's the thing. If you compulsively do something or take something that at times becomes increasingly out of control and is wrapped up, here's the key, listen very carefully, in secrecy, denial, or shame. And if that is removing you from relationships, responsibilities, or reality, those are the hallmarks that there is an addictive behavior underneath it. I.e., your center of gravity, where your energy goes, where your focus goes, is your addictive substance or addictive behavior rather than your life and the things you cherish. So just take a moment to check in with that and realize that there's this underlying addictive tendency with multiple addictive outlets. And so most people, in my experience, if they have this addictive tendency, and there's definitely a genetic component to it, as there is a psychological and biological, will have three or five addictive outlets of which one they suspect is a problem, but often they're completely blind to this. So as you said, you put down heroin, alcohol goes up. You go to a meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous, so the people go there, don't drink anymore, but there's sugar on the table, and they're talking <laughs> about sex. And so what happens is like whack-a-mole, you put one down, yeah. another one pops up, and they kind of hang out together. So reflect on that. If there is something you do that is clouded in secrecy or shame, i.e. you would feel really embarrassed if someone saw you doing it, that is a little clear there's a problem here. Now, problem with heroin addiction. They actually estimate that somewhere in the region of 30 million people worldwide have a problem with opiates. Now, that's including heroin, morphine, and a real big problem, particularly in America, prescription opioid pain relievers such as Vicodin and OxyContin. Now, if you talk to anyone who's ever been addicted to opioid um, pain relievers, they will tell you it is miserable. It is a terrible, terrible addiction. And one of the reasons I believe you've had or your son's had a struggle going to a treatment center is not many treatment centers understand the essential need to biochemically and nutritionally mm -hmm. rehabilitate yes. the individual. If you do that, that is the game changer because, you know, some people just through the psychology, just through the self-help groups, they'll be able to have some resemblance for recovery. But if you deal with the biology and the biochemistry, that is the key. Now, for example, yeah. intravenous nutrition, that is a game changer yeah. for people going through withdrawal. Uh, that's intravenous, vitamins, minerals, amino acids. 
D-L-phenylalanine. One of the things that heroin and opiates do is they deplete endorphins. In order to feel good, you need endorphins. They deplete dopamine. We need dopamine to be focused, energized, and alert. So all of this get depleted. The amino acid D-L-phenylalanine, which, you can, which your son can take, will actually naturally increase levels of dopamine and endorphins. And then you come off processed refined foods and sugar, you increase your healthy fats, start eating clean protein, start exercising, start to kind of work with your body rhythm, so sleeping at regular times, start connecting with meaningful work, start learning how to re-inhabit your body. And the reason so many people who get into addiction recovery struggle is because they haven't been helped in dealing with the underlying trauma, often developmental trauma, sitting in the body that feels so uncomfortable, that's what they're trying to attempting to manage. So you have to be able to do the trauma work. That is really essential, and that's often ongoing. You need support. 12-step groups are great for a lot of people, and what a 12-step group is, they provide you with like what I call like this psycho-spiritual scaffolding that you build around you to help yourself rebuild from healthier foundations. And then once you have a healthier sense of self, you're taking much better uh, care of yourself. You're rebuilding your life. You can then let go of the scaffolding. You don't need it anymore. There's an interesting aspect of willpower to this because there is a willpower question. The Bulletproof Diet is actually a book about willpower. In in the beginning, I read about the Labrador brain, Mm. these three things that take up your willpower. And in people without these traumas, it, it comes down, or actually even people with it, it comes down yeah. to these three things. Eat everything so you don't starve to death. Mm-hmm. It keeps all animals alive, and mm-hmm. that's not a functional behavior, but you'll, you keep getting these, these thoughts, you know, eat the cookie. Then you have this, have sex with everything, right? And do that just to make sure the species survives. Like, these are urges. These are not yep. you know, what you have to do, but this is like we're wired to do that. That's mm-hmm. why we keep having children, right? And then uh, the third thing is run away from or kill things that are scary, right? And if you are wired to have things that are scary, and these are the traumas, like this is the root of addiction, you're, you're going to be dealing with all three of those things. And in order to resist those urges for people who are perfectly healthy, it takes a certain amount of willpower. What I have found in my own life and uh, in hearing from countless addicts who've, who've gone on to the Bulletproof Diet is that having more energy in your cells, in your mitochondria, look, you're going to run out of willpower at some point every day. Like, like that happens, and it's proven, it's scientifically proven, it's a finite resource. You're an addict, you've just got like this giant um, pump just taking out your willpower. Well, what if you made lifestyle changes nutritionally that allowed you to have more energy, so that now you're putting more energy into the willpower bucket, even as the addiction is pulling it out, your, your ability to stand up to those urges, it will improve. And I mean, I hate to say it, but something as simple as butter and grass-fed steak and a quality diet versus cheeseburgers, it actually matters for your willpower and it matters for your addiction. You know, um, and addiction treatment centers are cottoning on to this. So once upon a time, you go into an addiction treatment center and so you'd be abstaining from your chosen substance but then you'd be having high-carb, um, high-sugary foods, and they would feed you that. 
that's now starting to change as so many people start to wise up to the fact that really recovery starts with taking charge of your biology. That's the given. And so as your energy levels start to increase, your level of wakefulness and alertness and awareness increases, and then you can start making better decisions. Yeah. It is really hard to make good, healthy decisions if you are depleted and tired. We all know that. If you miss a couple of nights sleep, you actually will revert back to your old behaviors. So your son, not only does he need this nutritional biochemical rehabilitation, and there are now loads of treatment centers that embrace it. You've got to put in, just put in biochemical nutritional rehabilitation addictions. You're going to see loads of them. That's yeah. what I'd suggest is he needs a supportive environment. He obviously needs to change his environment as well, which is that if he's living in the same place he's already lived in, there'll be a lot of environmental cues that trigger those kind of urges and cravings. He needs to know how to manage his stress and resilience. You know, a really important thing, I think, for a lot of people in addiction recovery is learn how to meditate or use neurofeedback. Yeah. It's massive because, you know, I'll tell you what one of the real diseases is in humanity right now is the disease of distraction. We are distracted beings and there's so many things trying to get our attention and learning how to take charge of your attention and place it where you want it to be on the things that really matter to you that enable you to really live this fulfilling life is a prerequisite to living a healthy life. It's not just about coming off the substance or no longer indulging the unhealthy behavior. It's about actually actively creating this deeply fulfilling life. So your sense of aliveness comes from life, not from a substance. So, um, and also I want to just say for anyone who has a loved one, a friend, a family member who has addictions, how stressful that is to see that. So I just want to acknowledge the stress that you're under and just to put it out there, how important it is you get your support, your support in managing your own stress, your own anxiety, because as, as a mom, you endure everything you can for your kid. Okay. Um, and you should be doing everything you can and passing on information, but then there's the letting go piece as well, which is, which is one of the hardest things in the world. So... There is no easy solution to this. It takes time. You take one day at a time. But I think in summary, um, learning how to improve biochemically, nutritionally, using supplementation, even simple things like um, a lot of people with addictions have blood sugar issues. Mm -hmm. So that's why increasing the healthy fat, taking chromium, taking magnesium, omega-3 fatty acids, the B vitamins, the vitamin D, the vitamin C, just really sound stuff, the amino acids, all of that can make such a big difference. And anyone who's been in addictions for a long time, you know, their adrenals are not functioning properly, so adaptogens is really important as well. And that should sit alongside and complement the very necessary psychological work. ButcherBox delivers healthy 100% grass-fed beef, organic chicken, and pork directly to your door. All their products are humanely raised and free of antibiotics and hormones. You can think of them as the neighborhood butcher for modern America. Each box comes with 7 to 10 pounds of meat, which is enough for about 20 individual-sized meals, depending on how big you are and how hungry you are. You can choose from four different box types. All beef, beef and chicken, beef and pork, or the mixed box. Uh, my favorite would be the all beef. You can also customize your box with add-on types like bacon, ribeye, and beef bones. I love that stuff. You get some high-quality bacon, you get ribeye, which is the best steak you can get, and beef bones are how you make beef broth. It's basically your meat for the month in a box. 
They also include step-by-step recipe cards and a note from the butcher describing the cuts and farms featured that month. I've seen these guys everywhere from Mark Sisson Show to the Today Show, and for good reason. Sourcing high-quality meat you can trust is hard, especially in some areas of the country. And the fact that they deliver for free nationwide is pretty cool. By taking out the middleman, grocery stores, and purchasing direct from farms, ButcherBox can help you buy meat at a lower cost, and then you benefit from that. So it's a cool business model that makes sure you get the best value instead of just passing it off on the supply chain. The price is just $129 a month, which works out to less than $6.50 a meal. Every box comes with enough meat for at least 20 individual-sized meals, and shipping is free nationwide except for Alaska and Hawaii. Sorry, guys. Order now and get free 100% grass-fed burgers. You get six six six-ounce burgers in your first box. And use the code BULLETPROOF to get an extra $10 off. Get started by visiting butcherbox.com slash bulletproof. You can cancel any time without penalty, so give it a try. Visit butcherbox.com slash bulletproof to get your free 100% grass-fed burgers. You get six of them and $10 off with the code bulletproof. Get your meat now. That's butcherbox.com slash bulletproof. There's something you said in there, Mark, about shame, and that that's a part of addiction. Mm. My wife, Dr. Lana, she does fertility control. She does uh, fertility consulting work uh, around the globe now and doesn't practice addiction. But when she was in Stockholm, she ran a drug and alcohol addiction emergency center for five years. And so she works with addicts. We can go to any dinner party. And if there's an addict in the room, she knows who it is. Like the people who work with addiction and the people who are addicts, you know each other across the room. People who do heroin, like, oh yeah, that guy's probably got some, and that guy's probably got some. So you feel the sense of shame, but you actually can't hide from it because the people who know, they know. I I had no idea that people had these kind of secret powers, and and, uh, Lana doesn't walk around, you know, Mm -hmm. judging everyone and saying, hey, look over there, nothing like that, but she just knows. Right, mm. and you probably can yeah, use you, Mark. You, you do know, and, and the thing is to realize, if you're listening to this and you're going, oh, okay, <laughs> uh, yeah, so, you know, 90% of the time I'm a decent human being, but on the evenings I go out and have sex with people I don't know. Um, or another hallmark of addictions, please listen carefully to this, is that sometimes it's not about the amount of time you spend indulging in the addiction, so drinking alcohol or eating chocolate. Food addiction is a big problem. It's the amount of time you spend thinking about it. What that means is that, say, for example, so I've worked a lot with with food addiction, which was one of my own major challenges. So you apply willpower and control to avoid eating the thing that has the hold over you. But that's exhausting. It's unsustainable. Um, and what happens is you spend a disproportionate amount of time thinking about it, planning how you're going to get it, and all you get become mentally preoccupied by it. So even if you think, you know what, well, compared to my friend, I hardly drink any alcohol. But it's like, how much time do you spend about planning drinking alcohol, thinking about drinking alcohol? And when you allow yourself to admit, you know what, I may have an issue here, and then when you have the courage to seek help, with someone who has experience in addictions, who gets it, who understands it, who acknowledges the importance, particularly of working with the biology and the nutrition side of it, that is the start. And I get so excited when I come across people who admit, you know what, I have an issue. 
Yeah. It's not working out for me. And that requires such courage. And then it's like taking one day at a time. What do I need to do today to make better decisions, take better care of myself, so I become a better human being and be the person that I know in my heart I can be? Now, there's a flip side to all this, and frankly, some people hearing this will be pissed off, and this isn't necessarily relevant for the the mother who asked the original question here. Addiction is, is a, a problem. It's not to say that drugs are always the problem. One of the things that blew me away that Lana told me about is that in Stockholm, the CEO of a pharmaceutical company, a small pharmaceutical company, had been getting pharmaceutical-grade heroin and using it in measured doses for a very wealthy socialite, the top attorney in town and a government official. And after 20 years of doing this, got busted. And these people were doing a small dose of pharmaceutically pure heroin once or twice a week without changing their dose over the course of 20 years. This was not addictive. Microdosing. Yeah, and all of them looked 20 years younger than they should mm-hmm. have been. And they were getting some of the same and probably stronger effects that you get from low-dose naltrexone mm-hmm. for autoimmune conditions and aging. Yeah. So even there, the case that says, look, we should just ban this stuff outright, actually, no. When you separate out the things that create addiction from the substances themselves, they're different things. Absolutely, it's really important. And you look at all the, the 20% of soldiers in Vietnam who used heroin because the war is hell. Mm. Everyone said they were going to have all these heroin addicts, but we had far fewer than we expected. And this goes back to the recent rat experiments they did with heroin. And they found funny, when a rat's in a sterile cage all by itself, it'll do heroin over and over and over. And when you put it in a cage full of toys and other rats, suddenly it's, it, it stops being an addict. So what's happening here is happiness is mm-hmm. an antidote to addiction. And yeah. then the drugs lose their power. And that's a powerful statement. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Is like so when you create a fulfilling life, and, and what that requires is first of all, it's really hard to know what's good for you when the addiction's in charge. So there, there's this there's this saying in in addiction recovery is you really can't trust your own head and stories for quite some time. Which is why when you work with a counselor psychotherapist, you're really borrowing their brain and perspective until you can get yours back online. Yeah. And so you have to go through this period of rehabilitation where you start to get clear on yourself and then you start asking the questions, what really matters? What do I want my life to be all about? Why is this important to me? And when you inquire into that deep enough, normally it's about relationship and contribution. Um, and then you start rebuilding your life around that and you start hanging out with others who are also committed to living that way. You change your... One of the challenges, one of the very challenging things for people in the early stage of addiction recovery is moving on from your peer group. Yeah. You have a whole bunch of friends that are associated with doing the same thing as you, and it can be a real challenging thing to leave that behind. But you know what? There's a lot, and I mean a lot of people, who are committed to living a a clean, healthy, prosperous, productive, meaningful life. There's a lot of them out there, and you've got to seek them. And you won't yeah. find them in those dark, dark places. They are out there. You see them in the um, in the twelve step rooms. People are just <laughs> sincerely, sincerely committed to to living their best life. Um, and then you start to rebuild a new peer group. You start to surround yourself with good, healthy, sincere, honest, authentic kind of people. And then you know, in a very short period of time, I'm saying very short period of time. I'm talking about years, but relatively, that's still short. 
your life can be changed. Um, but it requires great courage to admit there's an issue. Um, but listen, I, I'm so pleased you sent that question in. I know we've unpacked a lot there. Hopefully you can see the depth, complexity of it here. But it would be really great if you could ask your son to maybe listen to this yeah. um, himself so he can reflect upon what he's here, heard um, and then work together to, to find a pathway forward for him. And, and I wish you both well. If you go back about six months in the transcript and on the blog post for this, I'll include a link. We actually interviewed the guys from Crossroads who are using Ibogaine. I was trying to think of their name a minute ago, and there it just came to me. So you you could certainly look them up. And I, I looked at the facility. I didn't go there in person, but I, I talked with them, and it, it appears to be pretty darn legitimate. And if I was going to go try Ibogaine, I would probably do it there. The difficulty I have is that there's only so much time in the day. I travel a lot, and I have little kids, so I don't think I'm going to go down to Mexico and do that because I'm not dealing with uh, with an addiction right now. And, and Mark, I, have, I think I know the answer to this, but I wanted to get your take on it. What do you think is the most common addiction right now, like amongst people listening to this mm. or just the population in general? What would what would it be? Yeah, um, probably not what people would expect it to be. And I think up there has to be addiction to intensity and to drama. And I'm going to give you, just explain a little bit about that because that's a little bit off, off center. And what that means is that when you are not rooted in your physical body and the aliveness and well-being that comes from that, we seek aliveness outside of ourselves. And the way a lot of people seek aliveness is through creating intensity and drama. And so I see that a lot in clients. But other things that I see, I think there's, there's work addiction, um, alcohol, prescribed medications is a real big problem, particularly in North America. The amount of people who um, use and abuse prescription medications is, is incredible. Um, but there's, there's a lot of them, but definitely the, the intensity um, is a big one that I see. What's your perspective? Well, intensity. I, I, I've got a question for you there, and then I'll, I'll answer. I'll answer it. Uh, there's the extreme sports way of accessing a flow state, which is all intensity based, and yeah, we've had yeah. the flow genome guys, uh, Jamie and Stephen, on. I'm, I'm friends with them, mm. and I've often wondered, uh, like mm. you know, you go to an extreme, an extreme ski village, like let's say, mm. right? And uh, we talked about this is a very old episode, but we talked about the hippie speedball which is uh, uh, caffeine, uh, nicotine, pot, to increase the neurotransmitters mm. that put you in a flow state. Mm. And then you need something that is basically putting you in harm's way. Mm. And, and if you do that in the right order, you pretty reliably create this flow state if you're the flow type mm. that, puts you, that, that, gets, that gets in that state from physical danger. Those yeah. people, I go into flow state when I write or when I'm on stage mm. giving like a really good mm. speech, that, that something that's meaningful to me. So I don't put my my life in danger in those things. Mm. Do, do you think is that is there like an addiction to extreme sports? You just made me think of that right now. There but. can be. Okay. And so the key is: Am I dependent upon that in order to feel alive? Okay. And am I mentally preoccupied with that, and always planning to do it, and that taking me out of the present moment? Mm. And is that having a negative impact on my health, my life? my relationships, my responsibilities. So if that we're constantly looking for the next fix, and remember one of the hallmarks of addictions is tolerance. 
which means we have to go further and further extremes or mm -hmm. higher and higher dosages to get the same kind of feeling experience. So it is absolutely um, possible and, and very likely a lot of people who do extreme um, sports will have that addictive component to them, but not necessarily so. Yeah. And what that means is that some people just love the experience of it, but they're not dependent upon it, which is like they have this innate sense of well-being and aliveness. You know, they take great care of themselves, their relationships, they're engaged in life. So they don't need it yeah. to feel whole. They don't need it to feel alive, but they choose to do it because they have a significant interest in it. Yeah, if it's done out of joy versus out of need, it, yeah. it's a huge Very difference different. there, right? Yeah. And, and a lot of the people I know, like uh, Jamie and Stephen, like, like it's done out of joy. Exactly. But I, I do see people sometimes who are, are pulled to do things like that from more of a dark place. And, yeah. Uh, so that, that could be one thing. Um, I, I tend to think that the number one thing that people are addicted to is, is probably porn, mm. uh, if not food. Mm. And I don't know if I could say mm. which one's bigger because mm. food addictions, it, it might be you're mostly not addicted to food, but every now and then you have a trigger and you know, like it, it may not be a meaningful addiction, but you might yeah. use it for, for comfort. But if, if it's a big food addiction, mm. I don't know, but porn's rampant. And, and especially yeah, among uh, people under 25 or like, like you've had a browser since you were born. Mm. I, I think it's, it's a big problem. I remember, now I'm going to date myself, uh, when I was at uh, university, um, this was circa 1990, I was the last class that didn't have Ethernet in my room in the dorm. Mm. Right? So I, of course, had a dial-up modem, and I was on BBSs, and this was you know, pre-Internet kind of days. And even downloading an image, okay, a, a good porn image was, you might fit mm. three of them on a floppy disk. Mm. And I had a friend in the dorms who had this huge box of floppy disks. A library. <laughs> and he'd spend like a day and a half downloading some stupid mm. ASCII art porn image. Mm. It wasn't even good porn, right? Mm. But it, it was one of those, like, like, it was already happening. And I look now, and, and you're like, you can watch you know, live video with 3D goggles of the same mm. thing when you're six years old. And, mm. and unfortunately, that happens. Mm. So I, I think that it, it's an issue for, for people of all ages, but for younger people, Particularly for younger porn people. Is, it, yeah. it is highly addictive. Yeah, Let, let's, let's talk about that. So um, highly addictive and wholly disruptive to relationships. Because the earlier you get exposed to it, and you know, before the age of 25, you know, your prefrontal cortex is still developing, it distorts the arousal template. So basically what that means is that what's required to physiologically arouse you in order to be physically in sexual intimate with another human being gets distorted. Yeah. And so what you have is that people who require pornography or their imagination to get aroused and in fact, when they're in front of another human being they, they like and, and they're naked together, they can't get aroused without it because there's this distortion in the arousal template. And so, but what tends to happen with pornography addiction is that people eventually outgrow it. And so there is this natural transition out of it. However, its residue is left in the kind of dysfunctional um, sexual practices. Now, I'm all for two consenting adults to do what they want. Um, but often when people have sex together, it's driven by trauma and the past and this distorted template which originates from exposure to pornography. So 
if you still use pornography and it's compulsive and it stops you from doing things that you really value, if it gets in the way of you being and being able to be intimate with your partner, it's a real issue. Food addiction, you also mentioned, that's massive. Most people's first addiction is to food. And so when you're a young kid, um, you're feeling stress, you don't have the ability to self-regulate and soothe yourself the way you do it is through food. So most people will find when they start cleaning up the addictions, they'll often come back to food addiction being the main one, particularly sugar. Now, sugar addiction, I'm kind of, as I'm speaking to you, I'm thinking, you know, what really is the most common addiction? And I'm maybe moving towards sugar addiction because it's one I see a lot in my in my patients. And, and we exist on this spectrum when it comes to sugar. There's the take it or leave it kind of side of it. It has no impact on mood or energy. It's just like, you know, relax about it. Then there is on the other side, the other extreme, which is that um, you can possibly think about sugar, consume sugar, and has a profound influence on your mood and your energy when you have it. I was like that when I weighed 300 pounds. Yeah. And like, you have a map in your head of all the, the places in the office where there's sugar. Uh, and I, I remember really profoundly a, a, a client in the UK. She had such a problem. She knew she had a problem. She didn't know what to do about it. Mm. No food in her house because she would just eat everything. Yeah. So she had to go downstairs and go to the grocery store to buy food. Yeah. And when she switched to, actually the first time she had Bulletproof Coffee, the brain octane mm. raises ketones, which turns off the sugar craving. Like It's a biological thing mm. that she did, not a psychological thing. Yep. And she called me and she's like, I went all day and I didn't even have one piece of candy at work. I, I didn't even know that was possible. I probably didn't think about having yeah, candy Yeah, it, it, was, it was the fact that the voice was quiet. The cravings were gone. Yeah. And it, that, that's a big thing. Cause so for me, I don't spend energy thinking about, food. oh, God, what am I going to have for lunch? What happens is I look at my calendar. I'm like, oh, I guess on my schedule today, I have lunch schedule. I guess I could eat. Like I'm not even hungry. You don't worry about the it. The crashes don't happen. Yeah. I used to end meetings early when I went there. I'm like, I'm sorry. I, I can't think of anything with food. I'm going to kill one of you and eat you. So like, I just have to go now. Yeah. And, like, yeah. Like, it's massive. And so yeah. when we look at it from a biohacking perspective, addictions is kryptonite. Kryptonite is anything that undermines your energy, your performance. Yeah. And so if you think about sugar all the time and about food all the time, that is abnormal. And that's really important to understand. Is it abnormal to be yeah. thinking about your food all the time? Yet people do because they're used to it. And so when you do switch to um, a diet such as the Bulletproof diet, when you do increase your healthy fats, have cleaner protein, reduce your sugar, your grains, that kind of thing, it's like suddenly there's a sense of liberation and freedom, which is like, wow, I've now gone half a day without thinking about food, without craving. Yeah. And it's like now I, that energy I now have, I can then apply to activities and things that really matter to me. As opposed to when you're in the grips of sugar addiction, it's like a black hole. And it pulls your energy and your attention into the black hole. It's very hard to progress in life. It's very hard to be present to your life when you're in the grips of sugar addiction. And if you're listening to this and you're thinking, okay, so maybe sugar addiction is a problem for me, there's a couple of things you can do. The first thing is you've got to change your diet to a bulletproof um, diet approach or just in simply increasing your healthy fats. Come off sugar, take chromium, which yeah. helps to stabilize Huge. your blood sugar. 
take um, alpha lipoic acid that also helps take magnesium take the kind of if you go to our um, our website there's a whole bunch of information about supplements the, the top 10 supplements list. top 10 supplements list get solid on those make the changes to your diet then come off the sugar and keep yourself well hydrated and you'll probably find within three four days you feel like a new person the, the voice in your head shuts up about food it's incredible now, I, I realized after hearing you say all that, I changed my answer about the most common addiction. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, well, so I, so have I. And, but it's like, yeah, I, I think we'll go with sugar. And uh, well, so sugar is good, but that wasn't the new answer. It's actually an addiction that I suffered from. Uh, as an early internet pioneer, I had mm-hmm. unfettered access to the web, and mm-hmm. I went through a period in my my like late teens, early twenties, where Instead of studying, I would just get addicted to information. Yeah. And I remember I used to feel like I was going to die when my email server would crash. And mm. we, we have Gmail and email servers don't crash anymore. Mm. But it was like I'm, I'm absolutely disconnected. And I would probably spend 50 to 60 hours a week as a student doing what the, what's the equivalent of Facebook. We called it Usenet, but it was pretty mm. much Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> it was with yeah. text. Uh, and today, you look at the number of times the average person looks at their phone, it's 250 plus. Yeah. And we're addicted to, to interruption and to the, mm. this, I don't want to say just social media, but it's, to, it's to, information. To, to novelty as well yeah. is yeah. like, you know, when you're not rooted in the healthy sense of inner fulfillment and you're not at peace with yourself and you're not actively engaging in life you find fulfilling, we seek novelty outside of ourselves. We're constantly searching. And so what we have is this generation of highly distracted, distractible people surrounded by um, technology that is a black hole. And the key is like, here's something I haven't mentioned that's really important. When you indulge in addictive behavior, ask yourself, how old am I right now? And what Ooh. you will probably find is that you have emotionally regressed into one of your younger selves. Now, it could be age 12, age 15, mm-hmm. or even a younger child. And it's fascinating is that most people will find that when they indulge in addictive behavior, they have emotionally regressed, and they're actually acting out through a unhealthy, unintegrated part of themselves. When you start living from a mature adult self most of the time, it just doesn't happen. And so... If you engage in Facebook or, so I've worked with a few clients and what will happen is these are high-flying clients, they'll sit down in front of me, they'll put their mobile phone on the table there, it's right in front of them, and every 10 seconds, (laughs) their attention will go to the mobile phone and back, like this. And And remember, the hallmark of the addiction is it's a center of gravity, so it has literally has a gravitational pull and like the energy and attention is being pulled inside of it. And it creates a perpetual state of tension. It does. And so that means it's carrying this tension all of the time. And so that's why it's like, you just, you know what a really helpful exercise is? You go throughout your day for the next 48 hours and you watch how you are around certain things. And if something you feel tense about, you feel it has a hold over you, whether it's food, whether it's pornography, whether it's media, that's probably where you have the issue. Yeah. 
It, it's funny. We see this at, at 40 Years of Zen. So we've, we've got people strapped in with these. And, and Mark uh, has, has helped with the program. He's, has done a lot of the 40 Years of Zen uh, training. And uh, so he knows what I'm talking about. We put the electrode helmet on. In fact, hey, Brock, where's our electrode helmet thing? I think it's on the table. Will you grab it? I'm all wired in, so I'm not going to grab it. If you're watching on YouTube, you go to bulletproofexec.com slash YouTube, and it links you to all these things. But So we have one of these on, on a client. Very sexy look here. 24 channel. We call it the spider helmet. And we're getting a signal from your head. If your phone buzzes or beeps or you get a Facebook alert, you'll see every brain wave. We're looking at 24 yeah. channels. All of them go, and, and like it scrambles the brain. Your brain is literally scrambled. Mm. And I first learned about this when I, I got into neurofeedback 20 years ago. In 96, mm. I started doing this. And at the time, in 96, I had a, a Palm Pilot, actually. <laughs> this was, uh, they didn't have wireless back then, but this was like the, the beginning of that. So there were no real interruptions like that. But I was sitting doing neurofeedback and the phone rang. And literally all my brain was like, because yeah. the phone ringing was back then what today is the alert coming on your mm-hmm. phone. So a simple thing to do is go on your phone and go into, depending on what platform you're on, whatever you can to turn off things that pop up on the screen, do the same thing on your computer. So my phone, I don't even have the what's in the text messages come up on the screen. So my phone mm-hmm. will buzz if I get a text message, but I can't just look at it and get instant gratification. i got to unlock it and go to the text message app and see what's new. And I don't get Facebook alerts. I don't get any of that kind of crap on there. Mm-hmm. And that actually deprograms you. game changer. It, it's so big. And, and it's another way of actually coming to understand whether you have an issue with something is um, go for 24 hours without looking at the internet, without checking emails, you know, unless you have to, um, without going on Facebook. And if it leaves you feeling tense and anxious and agitated, then there's probably an issue there. Mm. And then what you do is you just set healthy boundaries around you. You use it intentionally, <laughs> which is like you have like, you know, an increased number of families, they have like, you know, Sundays, which is technology-free day. Um, uh, if you're one of these people that wake up in the morning and the first thing you do is rather than turn to your loved one and say, good morning to you, how are you? And yet you turn to the other side and you check your emails. you got to cut that out. <laughs> I mean, do you realize how insane that is? We get used to it and we joke around it, but it's insane. And so what that means is that, remember the hallmark of the addictions, anything that takes away from relationships, if that first thing in the morning takes you away from your relationship, that's a problem. So there's got to come a time, and ideally before you start having conversations around divorce or splitting up, they say enough's enough, which is this is too important. If your priority is your relationships and your health and your fulfillment, then you need to look at all of these different things that grab your attention and you've got to put boundaries around them, which is, it may be, you know, I do not check emails until you've said hi to your family, you've had your breakfast, and then at 7 o'clock in the morning you turn your, your phone on. When do you check emails in the morning? Uh, not until after breakfast. Same here. And, and I want you guys to hear this listening. Okay, Mark is a successful physician. We've got 500 students in the Bulletproof coach training program, and he works his ass off, I know, because we talk to each other all the time. You know what I do with Bulletproof Radio. Probably half a million people, maybe more, will hear this episode. Uh, we're pushing 50 million downloads. I've got a New York Times best-selling book, and I'm in the middle of writing another one, and Bulletproof is a growing, healthy company. I'm a busy guy, and I'm a father of two young kids. 
You know when I turn on my phone when I take it out of airplane mode? After I drop my kids off at school. Mm. That's when I do it. I do not wake up and check messages. It is absolutely toxic for your toxic. brain. You cannot do that. I perform like this because I do things like that because I yeah. don't have that information yeah. that I did. And, and a lot of people think, it's like, no, gosh, if the more busy you are, surely you need to be doing all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. No, it's like you want to move your life towards um, healthy boundaries and simplicity. And it's like you, you want to be clear about what's most important. And remember, uh, Facebook particularly is never ending. You can it, you can be on Facebook for the rest of your life and still not see everything that you need to see. Same for the internet as well. <laughs> I'm laughing because <laughs> there was a time because I'm the first guy to do e-commerce. Like the first product ever sold over the internet was was a caffeine T-shirt mm. that sold in my dorm room, mm-hmm. and I know I didn't get rich from that, but it was just a neat footnote, mm-hmm. right? But when the World Wide Web was created. There were only like there was one web page that was pointing at like a, mm. a coffee maker, I think, if mm. I remember right, that updated. And I knew every website on the internet. Mm. And I went through this horribly stressful time in life where I thought I could know everything on the internet. <laughs> and I was addicted to information. So yeah. I was sleeping less and less and less yeah. and less because I was just like, well, there's so much neat stuff. I can't get enough. And there was some yeah. FOMO, you know, fear of missing out and all. Yeah. But yeah, that, that whole thing. Mo- moving out yeah. of relationships and reality and responsibilities. Now, you, you mentioned something. I thought, oh, that's something that affects me. I'm sure affects a lot of people listening to this. This need to know more. This need for more information. Now, one of the potential underbellies of someone who's into personal growth and personal development is you just want to learn more and more. You yeah. get excited about it. You want to do more and more. And, <laughs> and that can be all-consuming. And self-help can become an addiction. If you're one of these kind of people that goes from book to book, workshop to workshop, that can be stressful. And it's like it's really about slowing down, focusing on a couple of things that really matter most, taking time to reflect on it and to practice what you're learning. Please don't keep self-help and personal development cognitive. Don't yeah. keep it in your head. Otherwise, you're going to be have, and you know, I've got hundreds of books. I'm sure you, you probably have as well. You have hundreds and hundreds of books and you never really get to digest it because you go from one thing to another. And so you just want to look at every part of your life and say, and you want to think of the principles of balance and moderation and simplicity and just admit to yourself, you know, maybe I'm a self-help addict, you know? <laughs> and it's like, okay, I'll, I'll, sh- it's I'll, so true. I'll share this with you. I was once sitting next to my wife and I'm reading a book about emotional intimacy. I'm, I'm in the book learning how to be emotionally intimate whilst my wife is there sitting next to me wanting me to be emotionally intimate but I'm completely unavailable because I'm in this book reading about emotional intimacy. And that, when I, when I saw that pattern, which she pointed out to me, that blew me away. It's like the thing I was looking for was right there in this human relationship, but it was easier for me to go into the book for it. And the book was a distraction. Yeah, thinking about feelings, just <laughs> actually feeling them. Uh, and it, it's... It's a rough situation when you get stuck on that. I'm just thinking about it. another thing that I, I got into for a while is, is the sort of life hacking thing. This mm-hmm. is about 10 years ago. You could spend 24 hours a day reading about ways to be more efficient. And, and you could also spend 100 yeah. hours automating something that only takes 10 minutes to just do. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so there are people I know who 
have incredibly elaborate, well, if this, then that, then this, and that's actually a website that's useful, if this, mm-hmm. then that, for, for automation. But if you are addicted to automation, you're actually autom- automating away things that yeah. don't take very much time or yeah. distraction. It's a distraction. Yeah, it, you're, you're using this weird meta level of thinking, mm-hmm. thinking, thinking, instead of just, like, get it done. Right? You know what one of the hallmarks, my perspective, and one of the hallmarks of personal development is the ability to face reality, to live in reality. And so what happens is we come up with this elaborate scheme of distraction and and it can look to the untrained eye as, wow, it's great you're looking at productivity, it's great that you're hacking your life, it's great you're doing it. To the untrained eye, it all looks good, but actually it's a distraction from the pink elephant in the living room. There's normally one thing that you really need to be paying attention to that will give you the greatest insight and transformation reward if you're willing to look at it. And normally it's to do with relationships or it's normally to do with addictions. That's where you want to put your energy. It is easier, it is much easier to be distracted by reading books, by going into the internet than it is to face reality. And it takes great courage to face reality. Now, it's interesting we were going to answer a bunch of questions in this episode, but just decided along along the way just to make this the David Mark Talk Addiction episode. And we went from heroin mm-hmm. uh, to information addiction and just mm-hmm. really an, an addiction to, to thinking about thinking instead mm-hmm. of, or thinking about feelings instead of feeling feelings. Uh, but all of these have a single neurotransmitter root, which is dopamine. Mm-hmm. Right? So all, all of these activities, whether it's the alert on your phone or whether it's, it's taking the next hit, um, they are triggering dopamine. Yeah. So low dopamine or unstable dopamine or even something called dopamine resistance comes mm. into play here. Mm. And one of the theories around porn addiction is that by masturbating frequently, uh, at least ejaculating frequently, mm. um, you can develop dopamine resistance mm. where it takes higher and higher levels of dopamine for yeah. your cells to be able to access this. And this can happen with almost any kind of addiction. Mm. And, and there's a unique... I don't want to use the C word, cure for it, but mm-hmm. a way to affect your dopamine levels and probably dopamine sensitivity. And it's, it's not one that's talked about very much. It's sunlight. Mm-hmm. When you go out and you mm-hmm. expose your eyes to sunlight without sunglasses on, mm-hmm. even for just a few minutes, ultraviolet light catalyzes the creation of dopamine in the brain. Mm-hmm. So circadian rhythm, going really to bed at night really or really using cool. colored glasses, dimming the lights at night, waking up in the morning, going outside and saying hello sunshine actually can help addiction, which and is you know, kind of cool. It's really cool and you know that's really important, the dopamine, this is the reward deficiency syndrome. It's this idea that there's this genetically inherited abnormality in the dopamine receptor. Dopamine is all about focus and attention and motivation and engagement. And so someone who has this abnormality in the dopamine receptor requires higher levels of dopamine to kind of feel normal, to feel alive, to be able to focus. So we have to hack this around. So you can do all the psychology stuff, but if you're not dealing at the biological level, you're only going to get so far. And so improving your diet is really important. Taking simple amino acids like L-tyrosine, which converts into dopamine. And you see, this is like, if you get into addiction recovery, but you feel apathetic and unmotivated, Recovery's not <laughs> going to happen. No personal growth, whether you're an addict How or not. How can you? If you're tired and yeah. you, your biology doesn't work, it yeah. doesn't matter how much effort you apply. You're, you're pushing against a wall. Yeah. So you have to do the kind of core um, principles of, of self-care, which is sunlight exposure. It's um, getting quality sleep. 
And you know, in the early stages of addiction recovery, because you've been stressed for a long time and you're exhausted, you probably need extra hours of sleep. But then when you become more healthy, you need less and less sleep. You know, we only need, there's this principle called core sleep. It's the minimum amount of time you need to be asleep for biological functioning. And it's about five hours. It's about five hours you need consistently for your core sleep. Um, And some people need a bit more than that. But you've got to take care of your sleep. Taking amino acids, L-tyrosine, 1,000 milligrams in between food can work wonders for people with motivation. Um, who struggle with motivation, who struggle with the focus and the attention. So all of these things are the foundations upon which you then build a fulfilling life. But you have to be ever vigilant because when stress happens and life situations go awry, that's when you're at high risk of relapsing and reverting back to the default old addictive habits. And we have to have a system in place when you see yourself starting to think about indulging in the addiction you have a problem with, you must have a plan of action to tell someone you're having that thought and you need to get back into your self-care. You need to do something to bring you back online again. Otherwise, you get sucked back down into the black hole again. And that's why in addiction recovery, they talk about just taking one day at a time. Because particularly in the early parts of addiction recovery, it can feel overwhelming. It's just like, you know, we, we shared a whole bunch of stuff about addictions, addiction recovery. It could feel like too much. It's like, really? So where do you start? You start by admitting there's a problem and speaking to someone um, with some experience in addictions who can support you on the journey. You can start taking charge of your biology. You can do that yourself. Pick up a copy of the Bulletproof Diet. Go into our website, look at the top 10 supplements. Start taking some of the amino acids. Start learning how to do meditation, your feedback. Start doing some heart rate variability uh, training, just little simple things you can do to calm your nervous system, Mm -hmm. take control, and you take it from there. It's really common when you face the the core thing that's triggering your addiction, you should feel like you're going to die because that's the level that is pulling your biology. It's supposed to be scary, and that's why having someone help you is is really useful. A therapist, an addiction specialist, yeah. uh, even a good friend. Yeah. But when you address your biology, it just gets easier. And this is something that that drives me nuts because I've seen it for many years. Where, like, look, you're not able to do something because you're weak, because you don't have enough willpower, and mm-hmm. and it's BS. Willpower is biology. It's electrons. It's mitochondrial function is willpower. And when you try and take someone and, and you, you shame them or you tell them they're weak or they shame themselves and say, oh, I, you know, I'm, I, I'm helpless in the power of my addiction because I have no willpower mm-hmm. or because I don't have enough willpower because I'm not mm-hmm. good enough and all the internal messaging, like, well, there's probably more power in there that you're not tapping into and then you're wasting a lot of the power during the day. It's an energy issue. It is an energy issue. And, and so you can take someone who doesn't quite have enough energy to overcome their addiction and you just mm-hmm. crank up the energy and all of a sudden they're like, oh my God, I did it. And why they haven't done this for the past 40 years of addiction treatment, I think it's because they didn't know. And it, I, I think they didn't know. And I think we'll look back at that time and say, wow, that was a misguided um, approach to addiction recovery that was ignorant of basic biology. You know what it is? It's the same thing as telling a fat person, like when I weigh 300 pounds, yeah. eat less and work out more. Like, and if you don't, it's because you didn't eat little enough and you didn't work out enough. You're and it's trying. BS. It doesn't yeah, work. Yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, right? Yeah. We're in that same paradigm there yeah. around yeah. addiction. Where and, and, it's a, and it's a it's a shaming approach, yeah. which is that you are fun. And basically, what it says, you're fundamentally flawed as a human being if you're not able to do this. No, it's like hold it a sec. I have no energy. Yeah. I I have no energy, no willpower to do this. So when you start increasing and expanding your capacity for energy, willpower goes up. You feel much better able to deal with life situations and it builds from there. But the great news is you have control over that. You can control your energy. That, that's like one of the most empowering statements. It's <laughs> like I can control and influence my amount of energy, my attention. You need energy first. Then when you have energy, you can start controlling your attention. You can start changing your perception and perspective. Your awareness. Yeah. Your awareness and it kind of snowballs from there. We call that biohacking. And biohacking yeah. changes the environment around you so you have control of your biology. And the first thing everyone wants isn't abs. It's actually energy. Yeah. Right? That, that's yeah, that's what it's that. come down to. That's what changed my way of being was having more energy and having it stable and having it on tap all the time. Mm-hmm. And I believe it's achievable. And if you're an addict, it, it's even more impactful than if you're not an addict. You know what? It's when you really get it, you realize it's the heart of everything is energy. Is like nothing happens. There can be no momentum without energy yeah. by definition. Energy is what's required to make things happen and change. And so if you are ever at loss as to what to do, take charge of your energy first. Mm-hmm. Increase your energy. Increase your mitochondrial function. Right-size your diet. Start taking care of yourself and then take it from there. But start with your energy. And then, particularly for an addiction recovery, find yourself an experienced um, counselor, psychotherapist who really, and more counselor, psychotherapists understand the importance of the biology side, but someone who really gets you, they understand the complexity of addictions, because you need someone by your side, because remember, in the early stages of addiction recovery, you cannot trust your egoic self, because it will want to pull you back in to the old way again. You need to surround yourself by good people, you sincerely want the best for you. And when you stay close to them and develop trust and relationship, then you start to rebuild yourself, not from a tra- tra- traumatized, shame-based sense of self. So what happens is many of us accumulate traumas throughout our entire life. We, those traumas are surrounded by shame. And then we protect ourselves from that shame with distraction. As we stop distracting ourselves, we get in touch with the shame and the trauma. And that's where it's so easy to bounce back off again. That's why you need to do the psychology work, the trauma work. Learn how to befriend and welcome your emotions. Most addictions are unskilled strategies for sedating and avoiding controlling what you feel. As you turn towards your feelings and emotions and actually start to welcome them and work with them, that actually liberates their fundamental essence, which is energy. So not only are you liberating biological energy, by improving the health of your biochemistry and your mitochondria, you liberate emotional energy when you actually start to welcome the sadness, the anger, the rage, the shame. They literally transmute into emotional energy. And then when you have biological energy, emotional energy, it then creates opportunity for life energy or spiritual energy to start coming through as well. But as a general thing, you do it in that order. Physical energy, biological energy, emotional energy, and then the spiritual life energy, or you can call that meaning, whatever it means to you. That, that is exactly the order of operation, and it's not what they teach in hospitals. It's not yeah. what they teach in addiction and recovery. 
but it's what works. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this has been a fascinating episode. Uh, I would encourage you, uh, and I, in fact, I don't know the name of the mother who was asking about her son because I just, uh, I just got the, the audio from that. But number one, thanks. I would encourage you to get your son to listen to this. And if this episode was helpful for you, share it with someone else who you think might benefit from this. If, if they look at their phone too much, we kind of talked about that. But more likely, you know someone has a problem with something, whether it's porn or alcohol or something harder. It, it doesn't really matter. There's a core algorithm here around having more energy, setting you free. And that's kind of the whole thing that we do here. Mark, that was fascinating, and this was way longer than our normal Q&A sort of thing, so that we just made a whole episode on addiction kind of accidentally, uh, but things happen the way they're supposed to happen sometimes. Yeah, they do. So fascinating and way cool. Yeah, really cool. If you enjoyed this episode, you know what to do. Head on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review because that really helps people find this, and just make sure you share it with at least one person because this is one of the coolest episodes we've done so far. Have an awesome day. Human Upgrade, formerly Bulletproof Radio, was created and is hosted by Dave Asprey. The information contained in this podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended for the purposes of diagnosing, treating, curing, or preventing any disease. Before using any products referenced on the podcast, consult with your healthcare provider, carefully read all labels, and heed all directions and cautions that accompany the products. Information found or received through the podcast should not be used in place of a consultation or advice from a healthcare provider. If you suspect you have a medical problem or should you have any healthcare questions, please promptly call or see your healthcare provider. This podcast, including Dave Asprey and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. This podcast is owned by Bulletproof Media.